Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, the man who programs the show this month and who knows that just because someone has amnesia doesn't mean you should take as much advantage of them as possible. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Or, you know, any advantage. Let's go with that one. <laughs> That's That is true. That is true. Uh, we are starting the f- now holiday on this show. Andrew programs the show in the month of April, or Absit Moa, if you uh, prefer brevity. Uh, why don't you tell them why you picked this one? Um, it's one of those '80s movies that I, I don't know. It's I like Goldie Hawn a lot. I think she's great. I love her in um, I love her in Death Becomes Her, and this is not a good movie. But it's a Goldie Hawn movie that's got fun fashion and a lot to talk about. And also, they decided it was a good <laughs> idea to remake this movie, but flip the genders because that makes it okay. Yeah, I, I. Did you know that it's beyond just flip like, genders? It's also the the man who's being bamboozled is a Hispanic rich man. No, I didn't know that. Yep, saw a trailer for that, and I was like, no. <laughs> I like Anna Ferris, and I just genuinely don't understand what we're doing here. I don't either. Even look, I watched the trailer because it was before a movie, and I don't know. This is a situation we come up against a fair bit on the show and the remakes and stuff, or, you know, not the remakes, like the time we ruined that movie, Passengers. (laughs) And I just don't understand how these people don't have... (laughs) I don't understand how these people don't have people in their circle to be like, hey, no, 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 no. The worst part about the remake is that Eva Longoria convinces Anna Ferris to bamboozle this rich Hispanic guy. And yeah. I'm only saying that I, I genuinely don't know the guy's name because he's only been in like Geostorm and a bunch of Spanish language stuff. Hey, Geostorm looked like a hilariously dumb movie. I'm sure it's not, but uh, I made Wouldn't that know. mistake with Hurricane Heist. Thank you, Movie Pass. Um, anyway, so let's jump in to Overboard, which we watched. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your amnesia. Something's gotta be done about your amnesia. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So right away, we start with Alan Silvestri's main theme for this movie, which they use a lot. And it is like dollar store Jimmy Buffett in a way that I find very satisfying. Yeah, it's it's very much um, it's very much summer rental. Yeah, <laughs> it's Jimmy 100% Buffett. diet summer rental. Yeah. And I and don't know why. If if Kurt Russell was the one who lived on the boat and the bulk of the movie took place on the boat, then to me that makes sense. But it's sort of bookended by boats. Yeah, it it really feels like the score should have been used for Captain Ron and not this movie. Yes. Where he, where he basically plays a Jimmy Buffett character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't quite get it either. And I will say this. I think the reason that this movie doesn't feel as gross as it should, because it's gross, don't get me wrong, is the fact that because they're a real-life couple and have been, uh, at the point of this movie, married for like three years, 
the two of them do have dynamite chemistry. And so I can see how people totally glossed over this, not to mention the fact that people really weren't necessarily thinking about this stuff as much in 1987. But the fact that the two of them have like off the so charts chemistry the whole time. I, I, the, I think the movie is gross. I'm saying the reason people don't think of this movie is gross, I think is because the two of them like have good chemistry and you're like, yeah, they probably should be together because the, the actual humans that are portraying these two characters, you know, are married and have children and a life together. Um, the other thing that is crazy, and I don't know if people just misremember this or whatever, but I swear multiple people have used the excuse to me like, oh, he doesn't sleep with her, though, which like, yes, he fine, does kidnapping. I, yeah, I know I was I had forgotten that part of the movie. And so when they're like getting romantic, I'm like, wait, are they going to have sex? And then they totally go to Bone Town, And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that is because now we call re- that rape. That's what yeah, that was, exactly. because she that fully is, can't consent. Yeah, because, yeah. uh, like, kidnapping is bad. I, I'm not saying kidnapping is a good thing, but if it's like, oh, he kidnaps her for a whole movie and makes her clean his house, it is eons better than he kidnaps her and then tricks her into having sex with him, right? Like, as far as levels On the of scale of, guy of, of crimes, yeah, kidnapping Both is bad. not as offensive, I guess. Yeah. Both bad. I'm not condoning either of these crimes. They're both bad things that bad people do. But I'm just saying, if that excuse was true, it's like a little bit better. But no, they definitely do it. And I was flabbergasted when that happened in the movie because I did not remember that at all. Uh, yeah, it's I. Yeah, I forgot that too. Um, I also fully rewrote the ending in my head. So when we get there, I have a, a real good okay rewrite for you. Uh, so we have this starts with a full three minutes of this song playing and just like slice of life of the town of Elk B-roll neck. Yeah, B-roll basically. And then a little bit of montage where you meet Kurt Russell and you see that he's like friends with all these guys who live in a trailer park and they're all like independent businessmen who have, you know, various handyman or whatever type businesses. And then uh, we finally get to the boat with Goldie Hawn and her outfits in this movie are just spectacular. Perfect. They're, they are full on RuPaul's drag race fantasies. I am so here for these outfits because it's not just outfit. It's, it's hair. It's glass sunglasses. It's jewelry. It's a full moment for her. Yes, it is. Uh, and her husband is played by Edward Herman, who you guys might know from uh, Richie rich. And he's been in a bunch of other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. He plays a really good smarmy douche rich guy, which I think whomever casted Richie Rich was like, oh, the guy from Overboard, right? And they were like, oh, yeah, clearly the guy from Overboard. Because he's a very, like, snobby, elitist, nightmare monster guy. It's, it's really quite lovely. Yeah, pretty much. And Goldie Hawn is doing And great so she is a total nightmare. Voice. Yes. The, uh, I would that, like to that, speak to a manager. How dare you speak to me that way? It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh. The kind of person that you want to see thrown off a boat, yeah. which I think also contributes to why people like this movie. Yeah, that she she's a huge nightmare and she gets what's coming to her. Mm-hmm. Like In the that, idea like, of bad things happen to her. I just want to make clear. Lady. I just want to make clear that I was not condoning 
what happens to her in this movie as just punishment. I was just saying people want to see bad things happen to this character. And when they're like, yeah, clean that guy's house. It's gross. You deserve a clean a gross house. That's that's where people are coming from, I think. Yeah, like the idea of she's a monster rich lady who's awful to people and like learns to appreciate humans. That's a cool arc. I like that arc. How we get there, like the journey of that arc and what happens at the end of that rainbow, not okay, movie. There's other ways to do no, that. Definitely not. She could have stayed in the hospital the whole time. Yeah, no, that could be and, like that could be if a the movie was just she... like sort of cuckoo's nesty. She's in the hospital learning how to appreciate people. <laughs> Why not that? Because in the end, she can then like donate money to the hospital. Yeah, no, that seems like a much more interesting take on it. That should have been the remake, obviously. Like she's a she she would be his nurse, and then through their relationship, when he recovers his memory, he's like, "Oh my god, you were so good to me, even though like you had I had no you had no reason to be good to me." Ergo, I'm gonna give you some money. Exactly. Uh, Mike Haggerty plays the best friend of Kurt Russell, and he is the perfect blue collar working man character actor. He's been it was in a almost lot of John Candy. Things. That would have been awesome too, I, frankly. But I think John Candy's too likable, and you would have had a hard time with him like covering up for this and stuff. I I feel like if John Candy was in it, I, my brain would have glossed over more shitty things. I'm like, ah, John Candy. <laughs> You blustering so he's, idiot. He's oh. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are my underwear. You oh, know, yeah, I, you I, should... I, I met a phone sex worker and, you know, like, I'm like, oh, John Candy. <laughs> uh, it is not. It is It is my character who does a great job. But, uh, yeah, that would have been a very different movie. Um, so he, Kurt Russell has been hired to build a closet for Goldie Hawn. And he's on the boat, sawing away, chopping making the closet and he makes this really cool thing where he's kind of he's dressing like a stripper uh yeah i think he's i think that's accurate he's got the like, like did somebody hire a carpenter and then he like his toolbox is a boom box <laughs> he like flips it open and it starts like yeah that's it's like shirtless overalls and a cut off sleeve flannel and no shirt on under that like what are you doing and then he gets to the undershirt, and it's like a strip between his breasts and down to his belly button, and then in the back, Nestles it's like it's like backs. he took a yeah, it, like he took a shirt and cut it like basically straight down on the side, so it's like a tunic with the side holes. But I did giggle at one joke during this. Goldie is berating this guy over the caviar that he brought to her. How it's not adequate, and Kurt Russell has his tape measure extended, and she says something snappy and he like retracts it really hard and reacts like, like to the noise. And it was this really nice little stupid moment that I actually made me giggle. Yeah. But he does, like you said, he creates this really cool closet thing for her, for her shoes. He's kind of like an inventor basically. Yeah. It's, I feel like that aspect of the movie is there in the background the whole time, but isn't really explored in a way. Like, the idea that, oh, I'm, a, like, a blue-collar carpenter, but I actually have, I'm, like, secretly a savant engineer and know how to create things out of garbage. Like, where was that? Because clearly it was there in, like, the mini-golf course and everything. Right, and the best friend character even alludes to it when they're talking about the mini-golf course. Like, oh, man, Mike, he can make anything. Like, he can do anything that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Is it Mike? Did I make that up? Hang on. Dean. Mike is the friend. Ah, see? No, Billy is the friend. 
So Beefcake Kurt Russell is working on this project and he decides to take a break and he's eating like some sort of mystery meat and crackers and just laying on this woman's bed, which feels gross. Like it's not the bed was covered. It's not your bed to be laying upon. All the furniture was covered in drop cloth. Still, don't be laying on my bed. I agree, but like there was a drop cloth. There was something there. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, you peasant, you can't sit on my furniture. I just, the bed is too private of a thing is all. Like take a chair. Also you're sweaty. Take a whatever. But don't – yeah, exactly. I don't want your sweaty half-shirt body all over my bed. Get out of here. But Goldie comes in and berates him because this closet he designed, including this amazing like crank you turn and gives you more storage for your shoes that you can access, is not made of cedar. And anyone who's anyone knows that a closet must be made of cedar. Yeah, I- I was hoping he would have had some quip about, you know, like, oh, you're on a boat, so it needs to be this wood for, you know, water resistance or something. Like, I wanted him to come back with actual facts about stuff. Yeah. In any case, she is like, all right, you got to fix this. He's like, okay, it's going to more than double the cost of this. And she immediately is like, I'm not paying for this mistake. You did it. I didn't suggest that you build it out of oak. And they go back and forth, which ultimately leads to this really well- uh, blocked scene where he like says something quippy and then puts his, crosses his arms and leans on the railing like deal with that woman and she just shoves him off the boat and he goes ass over tea kettle As in she a really great fashion yeah no it's delightful although she should probably be eating the cost of this she should 100 percent, right like but the response to i don't i'm not gonna pay for this isn't let me berate you and swear at you and call your call you names and come for you like on a personal level the response is if that's the case i'm dismantling this closet and leaving like that's how you that's the fire you fight with the fire there is a nice moment where he's lighting into her and all of the servants who have been berated by goldie hawn for years (laughs) are down below decks like pumping their fists and like yeah yeah tell her she sucks it's great we also get a moment where they talk about money and he said, like, they say the cost of the closet renovation was $600, which feels very affordable in today's market for that kind of closet renovation. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem to have a hard time putting this together on short notice either, which you'd think would yeah, add to two the days. My other favorite thing about this movie, and I say that loosely because there's not a lot of favorite things about this movie, but the fact that the big idea of what they're trying to do is build a mini golf course is kind of delightful and wonderful in so many ways to me. Like, yes, I agree. That just seems like such an, and it, like, this is not to, again, like not poo pooing someone whose real life ambition is having a really dope mini golf course or putt putt course, like good on you. But that is an unusual thing for a movie character to have. Like if I had all the money in the world, I would build a great mini golf course. Really but seems that- like an unusual movie dream. It's not even the dream, though, because he's like, I want to build a mini golf course and then didn't think anything else about it. Like, he doesn't have a concept or a general idea of the course. He's like, just a mini golf course. We just need investors. And I was like, well, how do you hang on? Let's flesh out the idea before we start calling investors. There's some steps to this. We don't just jump to the top step. Instead of it being the like pipe dream of two creative individuals who like work well together, this is more... I've assessed this market and the thing that this area is deeply in need of is a mini golf course. Ergo, we should provide that for the people who live here. Oh, that's a fair assessment. That's not what this guy would be doing. Like that's not what this character would be doing at all. 
No, no, not at all. Um, we also then meet Goldie Hawn's mother, who is just as opulent as she is, if not more so. And I was and, like, and she's whapping herself in the chin with something that's, I guess, supposed to firm up the skin there. Yeah, it's probably yeah. It helps the little gobble, I bet, or theoretically. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. rich person, buy this. I don't thing. think it actually does. Yeah, no. So we go to the house, and Kurt Russell's there with his heathen children, and there's a, a woman like, sprinting out of the house, covered in yeah. <laughs> and the woman is the principal of the school, or their teacher. I forget which specifically, principal. but she's. She says that the kids try to light her on fire, and his response is that they're going through an arson phase. And That's not the appropriate response, it, bro. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it isn't. But here's here's the thing, and I hate to be the one that's defending this movie, but there is a subtext to this that should exist where it's these four children and this man lost their mother and wife, respectively, and aren't dealing with it. They're having all sorts of things that need to be resolved in either therapy or just some good old fashioned family communication. Now, the fact is the movie doesn't touch on this at all. So it's nothing. There's nothing like this. If thing that, that was a plot point that mo- this movie might have some forgiveness to it of like, Oh, there's right. a lot going on. And I mean, not forgiveness. That's not, it, it's still garbage, but like there's more depth to it beyond like <laughs> I'm, I'm hunky Kurt Russell. These are my garbage children. Let's kidnap and swindle Goldie Hawn. Right. They they work really hard to make you okay with this. Like the the dead wife and the the four kids and the fact that she's awful. Like they really do a lot of legwork to make it seem fine that what's happens to this woman is that she gets kidnapped and, you know, blindside tortured by this psycho for a month. But it doesn't excuse the fact that that's what happens. Like it's total trash. But I think there's a version of this movie where he's so desperate for help and a female influence for his children and all that, that you feel a little bad for him. It's not the one that we exists, mind you. I mean, there's also but a part I think of the movie where exist. he's just a, a horror movie character. Really? Like I, yeah, where he's, where like, Oh, oh, oh you're saying like, Oh, no, I thought you were saying there was, like, an alternate version of Overboard that was a horror movie, and I was like, why didn't we watch that? No. Oh, God, I wish. No, but, like, I'm saying, like, like you said, but no, also the one no, where he's no, like, I, I totally, need, I'm on these your children sp- need a wife, and I'm going to take Goldie Hawn. There's nothing you can do about it. You live here now, and she's, like, chained to a wall or something. Yeah, yeah, she's like in the, she has a chain, like, that's just long enough to let her get around the house to do chores and not anything else. <laughs> God, that's so dark. But here's the thing. At least that movie knows it's dark. That movie knows it. That movie knows he's doing crimes. Well, that's the thing. This movie didn't become dark in the general public eye until way after it came out. Gary Marshall still says this is one of the funniest movies he's ever done. Which, like, it's Gary Marshall, so there's not a lot of pool. But like, <laughs> well, but that's the thing. There are funny moments in this movie. Like, if you can turn off the part of your brain that's grossed out by the fact that this woman has been kidnapped and then later sexually assaulted you 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 can look at it as a okay 80s comedy that's got some Just like watch the youtube compilation of the funniest it. moments from overboard right anyway we cut to the boat and goldie hawn is wearing a space blanket bathrobe which is it's like great so good uh and she it's it's a bunch of great 80s tropes all stacked together you've got Guy wearing headphones so he can't hear anything. You've got oblivious husband in front of the television. And you've got woman too stupid to function. Like three 
powerhouse 80s tropes stacked up in the scene up and where she goes to find her wedding exactly she's gone to find her wedding ring and she falls overboard we said the name of the movie i think we have to do like Wee herman for that uh, the she's screaming for help her husband ignores it by turning up the television and the boat captain or servant guy has his headphones on the butler is listening to music really loud and eating crackers so he doesn't hear her and so she just drifts away in the ocean I wish the butler had a like in my head it's like cars crackers and gray poupon mustard that the butler is eating (laughs) right like that's the most appropriate food for him oh yeah yeah no absolutely it's the best there's also a really weird thing with this movie where there's some kind of meta stuff that happens a couple times that's not explicitly meta, but is definitely fourth wall breaking for the sake of comedy because we cut from her like adrift to we interrupt the movie to bring you this news bulletin and it's the KRAB oh, TV station because in the context of the movie, it, they interrupt the movie that is being broadcast on the television to do it. But it's like a really kind of weird meta thing where he's like, we interrupt the movie to tell you this. And there's a couple other – I don't know if I wrote them down or not. I guess we'll see. But there are a couple other moments in the movie that I also kind of got caught like, oh, that's weirdly a little bit meta. Yeah. She also goes over the front of the boat and luckily doesn't die. Yes, which you think would be – yeah, she basically could have gotten keelhauled. A hundred percent. I forgot. I forgot it was the front of the boat, and somehow it doesn't kill her. Yeah, it's really bizarre. She also has the real dignity of being fished out of the water by a singing garbage man, which is a character that I just really enjoy. Exists in this movie for no reason. Yeah, it's there's there's some questions. Like, why did that have to be their movie? So we cut to her in the hospital, and I had mentioned before that something was my other favorite part. This is my actual favorite. She's in a room with another older woman, and she's complaining about the fact that she doesn't have a private room. And this old woman is basically every reaction gif that the internet likes to put up in you know reaction to whatever thing is going on. She does like a little sip of her drink, and it's basically like that, oh, let me get some popcorn gif. She does like a flabbergasted, <laughs> insulted reaction. She, it's like... This woman has in, is in this movie for under a minute, and there's easily three reaction gifs you could pull from it to, to use on Twitter. Yeah, she, she's a, a walk-in jiffer, and they before that was a thing. Yeah. So her real husband shows up and is like, oh, no, that's not her. I've never seen her. never seen that woman before in my life. And he bails to go have sex with random women. It's, it's a very strange turn of events how? here. How? How? I also don't. I also don't get what he thinks he's getting away with. Like, we find out later that it's not his money, it's her money. So unless he's going to have her declared dead, he loses all of this money eventually. Yeah, and it's just... uh, I think... Hang on. (laughs) All right. It's just, it's a bizarre situation, like, setup, because the movie doesn't want you to know, obviously at this point doesn't want you to know that the money is hers. But... There's never really an explanation as to, you know, like, it feels like they needed a couple extra explanations of things, like the plan that he thought he was going to get away with, or, like, the mom, her mother keeps calling her, and he keeps telling her for two months, you just missed her. At what point would the rich old woman not be like, okay, I'm sending out, like, a private investigator and the Coast Guard to come find you guys, and, like, tell me my daughter's alive? This isn't Scientology. Yeah, like, she... She needs to call me back this week or we're 
like, and she does eventually do that, but it takes her two months, which is just psycho. Mm-hmm. Because is, is she giving them an allowance? Or did Goldie Hawn have, like, a trust that he has access to now that they're married? I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah, like, he gets an allowance or something like that? Yeah, or it, she does, and it's their money. Like, the mother's like, oh, here's your, you know, weekly $5,000 to spend. Right. So we cut to the bowling alley, and Kurt Russell's there with his best friend. And I, I had this thought while watching this that in 2018, when you watch a movie with and there's a bowling alley in it, it's either, like, the cutest, tweest hipster date, or it's shorthand for this guy's a blue-collar guy. And that's yeah. the only way bowling alleys exist in, in our film culture right now is like it's either the quick shorthand for that or it's gonna be like overcut with a black keys song as two kids like giggle and throw bowling balls or something and they drink a beer that's like shitty ironically yeah or they drink coke out of glass bottles about the shoes it's it's fun yes yeah and they throw a lot of gutter balls and they're like oh are we so cute and fun or it's just like a bunch of grizzled dudes are like slamming bowling balls down an alley and hating everyone yeah kurt sees on tv that goldie hahn is the as a missing woman at the local hospital and then also sees that her husband abandoned her what yeah you know what the plan should have been kurt hey buddy i know you left your wife in the hospital so you're gonna give me some money every week or i'm gonna let everybody know and blow the whistle absolutely and even if it's him having to spend 25 or 30 minutes of the movie to hunt this guy down to blackmail him it's a much better movie mm-hmm. i love this little tv station though the krab that we touched on earlier where they do kind of break the fourth wall the guy's wife the the there's an anchor and then the anchor's wife are the only two employees seemingly of this station and so they just keep throwing it's like oh my wife is on the scene and it's these very charming folksy homemade tv station kind of things that i really like it's almost it's like barely a step above when a little kid is like we're gonna make the news and they draw a picture and they put it on the wall behind them at like their play school desk and they're like uh first off dinner tonight was really good that kind of thing it is she reminds me of like mrs futterman in that like adorable next door neighbor kind of sense yeah but so what also, would happen to your point of the blackmail plan. He comes up with the plan to kidnap this woman so fast. And then he doesn't even explain it to his best friend. And he's walking out the door and the best friend also immediately gets that the plan is to kidnap this woman. Like these are psychos. These are absolute psychos. It's some sorority row nonsense. If that's where your mind goes first, we are not friends, buddy. Yeah. Get out my life absolutely yeah that he instantly is like oh i'm gonna kidnap this woman and he never says it he just has like the eureka moment and then runs away and then they never say the, kidnap the, they never say the crime words no that he's been of course doing they the don't. whole time <laughs> right and not even the victim he uses the crime his... words <laughs> but he also manages to get his four kids on it and they're just like totally on board for this insane plan that their dad has brought them and like i know kids are dumb but still no these kids are evil garbage monsters i have i have justice for them at the end of the movie don't you wait but what do you think would like in the real world of today because we have the same question with you know if the police think you're pulling a prank what do they actually do in the real world 
in this situation where right. someone has amnesia and no identification, some stranger walks into a hospital and is like, that's, you know, my wife. Here's a couple facts about her and a birthmark I know about. You would have to produce a marriage license. I mean, there are other – presumably – there are other identifying documents of this woman that exist, maybe a passport or like a, a bill with her name on it or something, or even just, I know photos can be doctored fairly easily, which side note they do in this movie, which is just absolutely bonkers. The, the, mm-hmm. the photoshopping they do in the movie, but you'd have to be able to be like, Hey, here's a photo of wedding out al- like a wedding album that was ours. Or like, here's our trip to the beach or here's our trip to the mountains or whatever. Or just here's some photos of us at our favorite bar. You'd have to think there'd be something to prove the relationship to before you, they let you take this person. Because you'd have to basically be like, this is her identity and also who I am in relation to her. Yeah. Because all he does is say she has a, she has a birthmark. And then when she corroborates that she does indeed have that birthmark, they're like, well, all right, take her with you. Also, wouldn't the hospital know she has the birthmark already? You would you would have think that would be something, yes. But also, there's a, an even grosser subplot where the cop who is like, the cop and the doctor who are like dying to get this woman out of the hospital because they can't stand her because she's a nightmare, hands over her personal effects to Kurt Russell. And when he hands, her, hands him the underwear, he won't stop playing with this woman's underwear. It's so gross. He also... Is like, oh, there's initials on this underwear. Why? I, they're not the initials you said. That is clue number one, policeman. <laughs> right. Yes. You could have like, stopped this. You could have saved this woman from being kidnapped. God, that is clue number one. And then Kurt Russell's big plan when she's like repeatedly saying, I don't know who you are. This doesn't feel right. He just kisses her. He does. He just grabs her and kisses her. And while she just like tries to fight him off, it's terrible. Yeah. My first the note right before that, during his little plan, this is a crime in all caps. Then he kisses her. And I said, this is sexual assault in all caps. Yeah. This is gaslighting the motion picture. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> there already is a play called Gaslight. He also claims she was in the Navy, which should they should have been like, oh, well, then let's call the Naval Records Office because that's got to be right. a traceable this is a, thing. This is, this is a very solvable problem once you introduce that. Like, oh, okay, certainly the Navy has records of who served in it. <sighs> also, the doctor and the gross underwear stealing cop are so jazzed to get rid of this woman they like high five when she leaves it's terrible they tell her to go with him because she's like look i I don't feel right about leaving with a stranger and they're like he's kind of hot and he wants you so i guess you should go and (laughs) like isn't that not how hospitals work (laughs) i mean in their defense this is peak beefcake curse russell like this is probably the best he's looked in his whole life it's very Patrick Swayze. And I like Yeah, he is very it's similar. It's like the long hair. Yeah, it's it's a good this is beefcake Kurt Russell at his finest. But I feel like if a person says, I don't want to leave with this person, let me stay in the hospital, the hospital doesn't push you out of the nest and just feel like, try and fly, bitch. Yeah, exactly. You saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, right? I did not. Okay. I'm sorry. It's been on my list. I didn't see a lot of movies. That's why I bought MoviePass, so that I would force myself to go to the okay. movies. Do me a favor. Take your headphones off so I can 
say this point because I think it's an interesting point. The this movie I think has a lot of charm in the Kurt Russell performance because he's a charming dude, and I think it's what Guardians of the Galaxy two uses really effectively in that he becomes the bad guy and you're kind of like, Oh no, this dude I really like is now the bad guy. And it plays against. So I feel like there's a little bit of that here where people are more apt to forgive him as this villain because he's charming and people like him. Cool. Andrew's back on the show now. Um, I can't listen to this episode now until I see. (laughs) Guardians (laughs) too. Well, uh, I guess that's true. You could just skip ahead. The- he's very good in it. I like him a lot in it. But anyway. I mean, he's good. Uh, they even – they, uh, yeah, no, that's that's kind of what my point was is like I like Kurt Russell a lot. And so I'm, I'm like a really big fan of his. He's done a bunch of movies that I genuinely love. And so when I see him in something like Overboard where I'm like, ugh, he's such a piece of shit, it's hard for me to be like full-on angry about it because I can't – take away the part where I like Kurt Russell. So it's it's also like, hard when his actual wife was like essentially his actual wife and him put their stamp of approval on like the actions. Exactly. Of the movie. Exactly. So it's because <laughs> which isn't okay. Is it's not okay, in, but yeah, no, exactly. It's this movie kind of skates by its absolute trashness for me. And I'm not like spoiler. I'm not going to recommend this probably, but like he's really good in this and she's really good in this and the the writing is not bad but it's just like it's so tainted because the whole movie is trash because he just should throw it's a it crime. away like yeah yeah it totally glosses up and it's not just like a fun shenanigans crime he kidnaps and repeatedly sexually assaults this woman it is the growth like this movie is room but with a happy soundtrack yeah you know what's fun 80s shenanigans let's steal from this rich guy who wants to destroy our town let's yeah this store is gonna you know take over the town Let's knock the building down when no one is inside and it's fully safe. Like, <laughs> these are 80s crime yes. shenanigans that I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. It's so – it's uh, that's the thing though. Like I feel like this is a mildly controversial take, like trashing this movie so hard because people really like this movie. Like I mentioned this to several people and they're like, oh, that's such a fun movie. And I, I – didn't because I'm you know I like to have social conversations and not be a shithead. I wasn't immediately like no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's I just, know it's it's a, just it's a not. struggle sometimes when people are like oh that's great and I'm like mm-hmm. sure <laughs> okay yes. yeah you probably remember it better than it is. I have to have to tell you that I, I wouldn't watch it again if I were you. No. So. He takes her home from the hospital, and we're listening to the Jimmy Buffett knockoff theme again. And he's making her ride in the back of the truck while the dogs are riding in the inside part, which is just the goofiest. And see, that's when I didn't know that he slept with her in the movie, I was kind of chuckling at some of these antics of like, oh, he makes her sleep on the couch. Oh, he makes her ride in the back of the pickup truck. Because it's just basically like petty revenge for the $600 she owes him is I'm going to make her clean my house for a while. And then if the movie had just even stayed there, you could kind of get away with the movie. Like it would probably be fine. The movie, it needed to like add a couple zeros to how much she owed him and also have them not fall in love. And then this movie is right. like, if it, it gets into the realm of fun 80s shenanigans crimes. Right, right. Where it's still kidnapping, and that's still atrocious, but she's not being, like, 
attacked in any way, and she had you know it's him exacting revenge for the money he he's owed by getting her to build you know a shed for him or something like that, like very Tom Sawyer shenanigans. Whitewash my fence and don't steal the pie out of the window. Exactly. Exactly, that's what I want. I want her like whitewashing a fence and and giving dogs baths, and then going home safely and sound. I don't yeah. want her to fall in love with this guy. No, uh, he gives her a tour of the house, and I and he this is immediately it switches over to the lecherous side. And this is the turning point of the movie for the real gross stuff because he makes a point to point at the bedroom and be like. A lot of magic in there, right, babe? And, like, nudges her. It's like, ew, so you're crafting the fiction that you have a lot of sex so that you can take advantage of this woman later? Like, ew. Ew, ew, ew. Garbage, Kurt. We trusted you in Sky High. This is garbage. (laughs) And then my other – so also, uh, just a side note, this movie is actually fairly interesting for the age of the actors – uh, Goldie and the guy who she's actually married to are about two years apart in age, which is rare for a movie. And I didn't know this until doing this research for the movie, the podcast here. Uh, Kurt Russell's like five or six years younger than her. Wait, I thought she was married to which Kurt I Russell. Which I would not have guessed based on appearance. In real life, she's married to Kurt Russell. I'm saying yeah. the guy she's married to in the movie, that oh, actor okay. and Got Goldie Hawn okay. are about two years apart. And then Kurt Russell's about five years younger than Goldie. Oh, look at Goldie. Uh, I also... I also really enjoyed the moment where she's like, oh, I've had five children and faints because like Goldie Hawn at this point of her life, I don't think has had four children or if she does, she has very good genes and an insane work ethic. I give, I would, I'm going to find out the answer to this. Give me one second. She's she she definitely had, she had, had a couple of f- kids by this movie, I think. Did she? Uh, a well, son she had Wyatt two born before in she. I can't believe I know this. Kate, so that's uh, their that's their kid. But I thought she had two kids before that. Seventy. Oh yeah, her son Oliver, who's hot, is born in seven in uh, seventy six. Uh, oh he. Kate. Oh yeah, and Kate, who was born in seventy nine. Oh yeah, so Probably she like had. 80. So she, so she had, had did three have three kids. kids. Well, kudos. Damn, kudos to you, Goldie, because I Goldie. I wasn't buying it. But yeah. I, as soon as I said that, I realized it had to be wrong because I, I knew that she had two kids before they got together. I actually, this is this is I think a conversation from an episode of the Kevin Smith podcast, like God, ten, eleven, twelve years ago, like very early days of listening to podcasts for me when they were first kind of a thing. And they had a discussion where if you were having a party, like you're at Hollywood, it's a Hollywood party, and you invite Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, which one showing up alone is more disappointing? Both to you personally, and do you think like at large? Um, I feel like I mean for uh, my party, right? You, it's a Hollywood party, yes, but it's all, like it's all actors and actresses and musicians, and it's all Hollywood. For people. me, I would be bummed Not if your Kurt Russell showed up by himself. Ah, interesting, because I would flip that, and I no disrespect sure. to her because she's great, but, but like, I, I, I was like I, Private Benjamin. And uh, Death Becomes Her, here's, First Wives Club. I can't not. Here's 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 the ace up my sleeve that, that I think you've forgotten. Kurt Russell worked with Walt Disney personally. And, like, I just Shit. have to hear those stories. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. 
the last thing that Walt Disney wrote down before his death was the name Kurt Russell. Now, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that is a story. That is a legendary Hollywood story that like one of the very last things he wrote down was Kurt Russell. And he had like they had had him working on movies and he was on some other like he worked for Disney for like a decade or so. So, yeah, for me, it's Kurt Russell just because I have to hear Walt Disney and John Carpenter stories. But I don't think that Goldie Hawn is a bad choice. And she's definitely the more famous half of the couple. If I had, yeah. if I had, known, now that's, that I know that, that's my answer. Actually, I, I okay, yeah. There's a okay, because so I, the think, photo, I think you're the photo on Kurt yeah. Russell's Wikipedia page is from the hate a hateful eight thing he did, and he looks very much like our father. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, yeah, he had a weird run where he was growing a lot of weird facial hair for movies because he did hateful eight, and then he also did a movie called Bone Tomahawk, which I think I mentioned a few months ago uh, in October. That he was good in that as well, but he had like weird facial hair. Uh, he also played. I'm I'm a really big Kurt Russell fan. I find him fascinating. His dad and he also played pro baseball, and he for a time played for this really wacky team called the Mavericks. I think was the name of them, or the but they were this like low minor league wacky barnstorming team that uh, they made a documentary about a few years ago. That's oh. very entertaining. Sky High is the thing I know him from the most, but sure. He's great in that. Like I, legitimately, well, I Sky High is the Russell most underrated Disney movie ever. Uh, it's the most underrated movie of the last ten years. Or when did it come out? Of that decade that it came out. Twenty fifteen. The, the early. Actually, I'm sorry. Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yeah, I, Sky High is easily the most underrated movie of the aughts, the twenties to the tens, to the twenty ten. Uh, it's it's so much more charming than like fifty percent of superhero movies that come out now. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You should watch Sky High if you haven't seen it, people. <laughs> Universal recommendation. All right, let's get this back you, on track. I sent you the I link to the to, picture of Kurt Russell, by the way. Look, at, peep it real quick. All right, hold, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at it. Yeah, no, that looks like that. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, I gotta let's get this train back on track. I took us to Detour right. Town. So Goldie Hawn tries to cook no, the fine. dinner, and oh wait, first they give her random clothes. They went to a store and they just bought women's clothing without any regard to size or shape, like. Get out of here, kids! Who this is such a little rascal's that, the plan. The actor one, the actor one who who was definitely gonna be gay. Sorry about it. Like he would have thought to be like, <laughs> he would have been like, "Hey, what does she look like? What kind of style? Like, you can't just say buy women's clothes. That's not a command. <laughs> it's like going to a bar and saying, get me a beer.' Oh, that's like my movie pet peeve. But he sends Mike, the best friend." To, or Billy. Billy, the best friend. I keep calling him Mike. Billy, the best friend. He sends Billy to take the kids to Goodwill to buy the woman clothes. And then it just, it just it appears they just grabbed clothing off of racks and threw it into a cart. And we're like, calling it a day. Including maybe a circus tent. Well, including, here's a, here's a, gro- uh, a weird sub thing. Were they buying her used socks and underwear? Is that what was going on at this Goodwill trip? Because that's the only wardrobe that this woman seems to have oh i didn't think about that maybe or was she just like oh you or did he just continue to gaslight her and be like oh you don't wear a bra or underwear that's not your style i don't need to know the answer to what how the underwear was solved you know <laughs> like i i know i don't either but i just it occurred to me right now and is only going to hurt the movie <laughs> so you know it only makes good. it worse yeah <laughs> there's also the kids have the only room upstairs, it almost looks like, and it's built like a treehouse with a flap window. Mm-hmm. I don't... What? 
What is this? So head cannon, head cannon. Kurt Russell built that on top of like a one floor house. Okay, right, that makes sense. Like he's a carpenter. He he like he totally Swiss Family Robinson the boys' bedroom. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, you were talking about her cooking dinner, which is one of the best scenes of the whole movie. So why don't you take that back? It's hilarious. It's uh, a whole. Uh, did it have the head, the chicken, or whatever, or the pheasant, or whatever it was? I can't remember if the head is on it, but everything else is. Yeah, it's got its little terrifying, scratchy little feet. It's it's feathered. Thank it's defeathered. Thankfully, but she's like, I have no idea what to do with this. So she just throws the. It's basically. It's basically an episode of The Simple Life, that show with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, where she's just like, I'm going to yes. put this whole chicken thing in a pot with some water, throw, I don't know, a couple whole potatoes, this unpeeled celery stalk, like whole thing together, maybe a <laughs> carrot, I don't know, and then proceeds to try and smash the lid down, and I was like waiting for it to like, you hear the crunch of a bone and the lid settles into place. and Yeah, like, yeah. Bleh. Also, he tells his sons to sit down for dinner. She has not even begun to cook. Like, dudes, you're in for... That's not a pressure cooker. It's just a pot. If she's making chicken soup, you're in for, like, two and a half hours of waiting before dinner is served. Which you deserve, ass face. (laughs) But, like, why are they sitting down to eat before she's begun to cook it? That is not how the operation goes. It's not. He tells her she has to light the the gas the the range and i was like in my head because i'm a 2018 movie watcher and i like what i thought was gonna happen is what i promise you will happen in the new movie where she goes to light the guy goes to light it and it explodes and he gets thrown through a closed door that breaks and he sits up with like a sooty face and crazy hair yep i was sure that was what we were getting like a real good looney tunes but because it's the 80s and we weren't there yet, it just kind of, like, does a big fire. And she's like, whoa, I'm scared of fire. Also, we glossed over this briefly, but when he sees her in this giant dress that obviously is for a woman of much larger size, he says that you used to be really fat. And then also, she's like, also, well, okay, it's not only too big for me that way, it's also too short. And he's like, oh, yeah, you used to walk hunched over because you were so embarrassed by your size. Like... What fiction are you crafting? You're such a monster. He is a sociopath. A full-on sociopath. And and one of the kids is just looking at a porno mag in front of his brothers and family. And then another one of their kids has a falsetto. Like, he does Pee Wee Herman, kind of. And that's just the way he talks. And she says, oh, we have a falsetto child? As if that's a thing people say! <laughs> yeah. I was like, hang on, movie. I do not... I've never heard the term a falsetto child as though that was just a thing that exists. Yeah. And then he caps it off by telling her that her mom is dead and her dad is in jail. It is too easy for him. Like, these lies are coming too (laughs) easy. Right off the tongue. Gross. So there's a really bad ADR line where the kids have gone to get the fire extinguishers and he's like, oh, those came in handy. And it doesn't even sound like Kurt Russell all the way, even though it probably was him. But they just spray her with the fire extinguishers. After like, like she's, she has never been on fire to clarify. No, she was never on fire. There wasn't even a fire worthy of being alarmed by. It was like some flames on the side of the pot, which is just like you turn it down. Yeah. 
It basically, it's basically what happens when the pasta water overboils and the, the flames jump. Right. So he's so like, then, oh, I'm going out for beers later on. And they have like a little back and forth about whether this is okay. And she's like, uh, what are you what are you doing? And he's like, oh, you always said it was fine. I go out for beers every night. You just like this. You deal with the heathen children. I'm going to go get plastered. And here's what I think. I think that that is what happened after dinner every night. He just left his kids alone before. Oh, for sure, for sure. This is not a change in routine for Kurt Russell. No, not at all. So they go out, and he has a few beers with his friends, and then he decides to do a really hilarious prank by pretending to be drunk, and so he dumps a bunch of whiskey on himself and then goes home and is, like, trying to put the moves on her, and then she's like, ugh, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm too drunk. Well, better go sleep on your bed, and by that I mean the couch, because I don't share a bed with you. Yeah, it's it it is it veers real heavily into things that aren't okay territory, but then caps it off yeah. with the funniest line in the movie, where Goldie Hawn is alone in the dark on the couch under a water drip, and like the lowest she's gonna feel, and goes, "I'm a short, fat slut." <laughs> yeah, because he also slut shamed her again. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Ugh. He's like, oh, we bo- we we didn't go on a date. We just boned in a Seven Eleven parking lot. LOL. Like, what? What is this the purpose? The you're only crafting? purpose of that lie is to get her to sleep with you. And if you are telling a lie yeah. to get someone to sleep with you, that is called rape. Excuse you. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the sentiment of that. It's, you guys don't get to see his face when he's doing these things sometimes. And Andrew's expression is funny. I just, sometimes I'm editing the show later and I hear me laughing at a line that is like, definitely not funny. And I'm like, Oh man, people are going to think I'm a psycho. <laughs> she has this little fantasy dream where she's great hearing dress. the piano being played. It's like new year's Eve. Yeah, it is a great dress. And the, the water is dripping on the piano. So it's like playing music in her ear, in her head, basically. And she gets woken up from this by him flicking cold water on her face and is like, time to get up and make food for my children. And then they do this speed up montage where she's like quickly making peanut butter, jelly and fluff, which is like, I've never seen. I the, thought the it was mayo. There. I'm, oh, I thought it was. I just assumed it was fluff. It, it, you it think it's peanut more... butter, mayo and jelly? Yes, because the way she like quickly <laughs> was knifing the fluff, like that is fluff. There's some yeah. stick to it. Like to the, yeah. there would have been a moment where she goes and then the whole jar is like she's just rolling the jar on the bread. Like what? Yeah, and also she's supposed to be dumb, like in the ways of domesticness, so she wouldn't know any of that. No, not at all. So Kurt Russell's like, hey, here's a list. Hey Cinderella, here's a list of all the chores you have to do today. Bye. And he leaves. So she has to, like, defrost the freezer that has never been done, ever. He leaves and gets into his truck while singing, I have a wonderful slave. I missed that. I I blocked that out. Yeah, yes. Yeah, she does have to defrost the freezer that is comically frozen over. Which, like, Mm -hmm. this feels like a dad who's doing, like, a lot of TV dinner action. And, like, the freezer should be more functional. It's like in Disney World, if you would, back when you used to be able to go to Mickey's house, and the fr- the freezer would be open, and it's just all like a, a big thick layer of snowy frost. Yes, and there's not room for anything. Yes. So she also uses a vacuum, and as she's clearly never used a vacuum before in her life, it's like oh, I'll just suck up everything, and completely makes this vacuum unusable, and that never gets talked about. 
because she sucks up the cereal <laughs> and the milk out of the cereal bowls from breakfast. Yeah, that vacuum is gonna stink forever. Just it just burned it at this point. Yeah, no, you have to you have to burn that. I also she does she does this cleanup job to a montage to the song Jim Dandy, uh, and then later they play that song again. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Like you can't use like you can't have it be the theme to your your fixing stuff up, cleaning stuff up montage, and then later have the band play that song. Like that's not okay. That is not acceptable for making a movie. No, but no, 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 no. I, it got me thinking while watching this. I had to distract myself from the kind of d- abhorrent feeling this movie was generating on a regular basis, and I think that. On my old podcast, I used to ask the question of, like, what would be the low-key superpower you would like to have? Like, you can't have flight or, or, you know, visibility or whatever. I think I would like to be able to clean to a montage because it seems exhausting when you're done. But I feel like if I could, like, I was like, oh, you know what? I need to montage this. And it was, like, sped up in, like, to my perception of it, it happened in, in song length time. And then it caught up to you at the end where it's like... Okay, you now feel the exhaustion of the six hours you spent cleaning, but to you it was only perceived as six minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that's the answer. I would. That's actually a really good one. I think I picked um, instant learning, like I like eidetic memory. Yeah, which is which is good. But that's yeah. a real good one. I like that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. There's also a runaway washing machine, and like the '80s, fucking loved runaway washing machines. So often, that is a thing that happens. This is at least the third or fourth one we've had since doing this show. Mm-hmm. It's not even like a contemporary, like then contemporary washing machine. She looks like it's the courtyard scene in Little Mermaid when they're like cranking stuff to, through a, a pair of <laughs> wheels to get things dry and then like running their hands on the washboard. I don't get it. I wasn't going to bring this up. But I was recently listening to a bunch of Disney music uh, while dry, having a, you know, killing time on while during a drive kind of thing, and listening to the Little Mermaid songs made me as uncomfortable as watching this movie did. Like the Ursula song and, and part of your world, because the whole thing is about how in order for women to become acceptable to men, they need to lose their identity wholly and be basically seen and not heard. Like, the whole message of Ursula's song is, like, men don't want to hear you talk, sweetheart. Don't forget about body language. Yeah, and but she's, she's doing that because – she's doing it because, like, she knows that – like, girl, I got to – I'm going to swindle this girl so I can get her dad. So I'm going to tell her what she needs to hear. All true, but then Ariel does it, and it's a happily ever after ending to the movie when, like – her and Prince Eric's only interaction are making baleful eyes at each other because she can't speak. It just doesn't seem like a good however, message for children. However, the only reason Eric wants to marry her is because he remembers her voice. So her voice is important. Yeah, but That's why Ursula took it. it. Because she knew it would be an impossible right. task. Uh, maybe it's better if you watch the movie. I have not watched Little Mermaid in two decades, but I was listening to this song, and like, of course, I remember all the words to these songs, and I was like singing Corella De- not Corella Deville, uh, <laughs> Ursula, like excitedly, um, and I was like kind of jamming out, like you know, having fun, being stupid, and I was like, oh no, this is so much grosser than I thought it would be, because it's like, it, I, I don't know. Anyway, that was a. I was also the to only that up during the show. The but- options are follow King Triton blindly or. Pay for something to get what you want, and it might not be what you really need in the end. But hey, you made the contract. 
Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. Sort of a wishing on a monkey's paw thing. You no, know, here I, I just it just perhaps there's better messaging for young girls. Is all I'm saying. There is anyway. The frog. Uh, we <laughs> I haven't seen that one. It's really uh, good. We get some more hijinks. Okay, stop talking about Disney movies. We got to get through Overboard. There's so much movie left. Um, there's some chainsaw hijinks where I think she has an orgasm. Is that what that's supposed to be? I don't think so because I feel like because the she's movie... like doing. Because I feel like that was the point where her mind broke. Okay. Like, I feel That's like... That's probably a valid reading. But she does do, like, a very yeah. When Harry Met Sally kind of thing. She also could have killed herself with that chainsaw. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought what we were going to get... The way they had the sheets out and the what she was doing with the chainsaw, I thought it was going to be, like, a little homage spoof to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where she was going to, like, get caught up in the bed sheet and do, like, the move from the first movie. Um, oh, that would have been fun. It's not at all that. Or yeah, would, I like, thought that hit was going to be really or, clever, and then instead it would have been like she hits a bee's nest and has to run from bees while like holding the chainsaw above her head. Yeah, that's what it should have been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would have been much better. A sheet gets caught in her face. Yeah, 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 yeah. She gets stung in her face, and so it's like all swollen, and she gets kind of leather facey. Yeah, uh huh. That's that'd be the new movie. But she she's like she's. She's cutting this log, and then she's, like, doing, like, when Harry met Sally moans, and then she looks, like, very relieved when it's done. And I was like, is that supposed to be what I think it just was? Oh, well, this is a children's movie. I'm going to gloss over it. Well, not a children's movie, but it's PG. Um, And then he manages to trick her about them not having any photos together because reasons, and then quickly takes a box of photos of his actual wedding to his best friend, who made their fake IDs in high school and somehow is in possession of literal magic for 1987 and photoshops her mugshots into these wedding photos. So she's looking like our dumb faces for the cover art for every one of these episodes. <laughs> like she's making that expression. But it's like we'll just use what those pictures wizardry. from this movie. We won't put our faces on. We'll just use the actual shitty photoshops yeah. from this movie. But like what wizardry are we talking about here? Like that is not an at-home technique no not at all like this needs the only thing i can think is that he like scotch taped her head where the wife the real wife's head was and then made a photocopy of that photo exactly but they're not they're like glossy nice prints yeah he also tosses her in a rain barrel yeah that's the weirdest one and then later he picks her up again and she's like weepily saying like please don't throw me back in the rain barrel and it was just like heartbreaking her line reading yes it's like, oh my god, this poor woman. Like, I just want her to be free of this monstrosity. We also find out now that uh, Goldie Hawn's actual husband has been lying to her mother about, you know, oh, she's, uh, they're out shopping. Sorry, you can't speak with them. What? Yeah. No, thank you. Put her on the phone, you psycho. So then we get this really gross domestic at home thing where they're watching a football game or a uh, it's, I think it's a football game and she's like giving Kurt Russell a foot massage and then getting up and getting his friend beers when he wants them and he's like hey why don't you make us some brownies and she's like I made a chocolate cream pie and he looks mad about that and then she brings the pie out and puts it down and they all just start eating it with their hands like animals well, like, no, the kids super what? glue a plate to her hands first that is true she does get a plate glued to each hand and super uh, super glue is not the magic like unbreakable adhesive that movies like to pretend it is. It comes off really easily, actually. For anyone listening, like the movies, lead it also you to believe... doesn't dry instantaneously. No, 
the movies lead you to believe that it's like it gets in your hands and like that's that's the way you look forever now with a plate glued on your face. <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> like no, that's not a thing. So we get she does get a the, little bit of revenge here, except it's marred by the fact that it's a cutesy falling in love moment. Yes. And also, she's managing to use a hose, like the squeeze nozzle of a hose, despite the fact that uh, her hands are still glued to plates. So, Basically, like, lobster claws? dexterity. Yes, yes. Well, one claw. Yeah, really. Um, so, like, we cut to the so school. Here's a, yeah, and this is a real logic break in the movie for me. I don't know if this bothered you as much as me. Why are all these ghouls in the same class? Like, I know there's a pair of twins in there, but they are definitely distinct ages. Well, they were talking to the principal, and I don't. But so the question is not why are they all in the same class. The question is why does the principal have her own classroom? Like principals get offices, right? So right. one of those is a question that needs to be answered. And I like it's basically it's basically like a one room schoolhouse situation where the principal is also the teacher. Oh God! But so but they she say comes something in about and the principal. She their kids are like, oh, we're itchy. We can't take our test. And she's like, well, who's home right now? And they go, our mom. And she goes, you have a mom now? I thought you're like, because Kurt Russell had told her that the well, his wife and their mother had died. So I was like, oh, she's going to blow the whistle right now and not realize it. And be like, oh, I understand like you're the new mom right now and recently like taking charge of these children. But like you need to get them in line. It never happened. Instead, Goldie nope. Hawn just tells her off. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. She goes, like, full-on mama bear on this teacher, even though she barely knows these children. And, like, that's kind of a nice moment. And then we find out that the youngest one can't even freaking read. This movie is just cries and for Kurt help. Kurt Russell is just, Disguised like, with Kurt Russell. Right. Like, Kurt Russell is a very bad father if his youngest kid can't read and he has no issue with this at all. And then they get into a fight when he's basically like, what I do with my kids is none of your business. And she's like, excuse me? Like, they're my kids, too. And he has to, like, run away because he's almost butchered the, the, the plot so badly. Yeah. And the shittiest part is he doesn't get his, like, moment of clarity until he sees a clean house. And then he's like, oh, my God, this woman is great. Like, my house is clean, and this isn't a lagging nightmare that I have to deal with. Like, ugh. That's not what she's for, dumbass. Like, hello. Right. Um, one of his kids is from Big and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So we're having a picnic, and we start talking about this golf course. And Goldie suddenly speaks French, which, like, jogs her memory about the fact that, hey, something is wrong here. Mm-hmm. And then she's the one who comes up with the whole idea for the golf course. It's It just annoys me because they're they're clearly just now sitting down to, like, really bang out the specifics of this golf course. Because their investor meeting is in a couple days or something. But, like, now, this is the time you decide it was best to have finalized plans Right. It's psychotic behavior, like, as this whole movie is. But, like, get your shit together, Kurt Russell. You should have had these plans for a long time. Yeah, they should be done and finalized. Right. And then there's another bizarre, like, non sequitur, where the older brother, oldest of the four brothers, is walking off into the woods with a girl, and the young one yells, Don't knock her up! And everybody acts like this is, like, a funny, cheeky compliment or comment to make. And it's like, um... No, no, this is bad by like every measurable thing. Yeah, no, that and Goldie Hawn 
there's a weird moment where Goldie Hawn says something about how Kurt Russell is, you know, at the bowling alley. And the kids say, well, he doesn't have his bowling ball, so he must not be bowling too hard. So Goldie Hawn then tracks him down and finds out that he secretly works hard to provide for his family. Yeah. But, like, we are, we already it, thought it doesn't he was make working sense. hard to support his family. Right. It's very, very odd. Also, the bowling alley has a band called Gitman and the Gutterballs that is plays there every single night. And, like... What world are we creating where there is a one-off novelty band for this bowling alley? Like, how big of an epicenter of community entertainment is this place? I mean, there's nothing going on here in this town, clearly. They desperately need an indeterminate mini-golf course. Right. So, we have this investor pitch, and it's like, hey, you know... It's going to be based on these wonders of the world. And honestly, it's kind of a cool idea for a mini golf course, to be honest. But it's it's so generic. Like, that's every mini golf course has the tiny version of the Eiffel Tower. You know what I mean? Like, that to me feels stock movie golf course, mini golf course. I, I always think of, like, Windmill and the Clown's Mouth when I think stock mini golf. Oh, that's fair. In any case, we got a construction montage and we see like Kurt Russell's little invention of how like, you know, the ball goes through all these zigzags, kind of like a Rube Goldberg thing. And then Mm -hmm. he basically tells his friend, like, I need to tell her, like, this has gone on long enough. Uh, The specific line he says is, in the beginning, it was just, you know, getting even. Now it feels more like lies. Now it's more like lies. It done been done lies. Like, what the hell? Well, I think what that line is supposed to be relaying is at first I was just getting even with her and now I care about her. So it feels like I'm lying to someone I care about. That is the subtext that is that is supposed to be read there, I believe. Throw so he comes home the air, and the kids. <laughs> he comes home and he finds out that all of his kids are like achieving things. Now, the one has gotten an A on a test. Another one is like doing really well in school. The youngest one is like sounding out words and learning to read. And Goldie seems like kind of content that she's done a good job for these kids. Yeah. So he makes up a lie to complete his sentence. That's like, I forgot it's your birthday. So they, he takes her out on the town, liberal air quotes, because I'm pretty sure it's the bowling alley. And they play Jim Dandy again, which, as we said before, is very weird. And then it's, it's like, oh, popular, it's time to it, fall in love. If it was a like a legit popular song at the time, I would let that slide. But this is not, it's not, you know, Cindy Lauper. It's not anything real. What the hell? My bigger beef is not that it's used multiple times. It's that it first is soundtrack, like montage music, and then a band plays the real song in the movie. Like, if you had Cindy Lauper perform at the end of a movie, and then earlier you would also use Girls Just Want to Have Fun, it would also be weird to me. Like, she, she can't exist in the universe and, the, and the, the one I'm watching, you know what I mean? I think she can. I let that slide. Then she asks how old she is, and he has to lie and say 29, because they're, like, falling in love here. And then they cut the music on and it's sexy sax time because we're getting those soft lights out and we're going to bed together. Irate. And then to cap it all off, the next morning when they're in bed together, the kids come to wake him up and her birthday gift is a washing machine. What a scumbag. Overjoyed. Ridiculous. And then one of the boys is like, she doesn't have great tits, but what an ass. And it's like, 
so disgusting on so many levels. I want a firing squad for these children. Like, they're the worst. (laughs) So she's finally catching on. Like, you can see that she's catching on. Thank God, after so much time. She finds the underwear in the car. And then this rain barrel that he threw her in earlier, Kurt Russell is then using to, like, wash his face so they can go to the ribbon cutting for the the mini golf course that like the mayor is there to open or whatever. Nothing's uh, very and there's clearly like a whole back and forth. <laughs> well, just like why one, why does he have this rain barrel? And two, why is he washing his face in it? It's like scuzzy open air water probably has algae in it. Yeah. You can't like they, like sometimes they're like dirt, oaky, smoky poor. And then other times they're just like, we don't have a lot of money. And then, I like you can't bounce between the two. Like I need you to pick one and be there. <laughs> the house has running water. Like it, it's not that dire. So he's like, "Okay, fine. You found the underwear." And she accuses him of cheating, and he's like, "Here's the truth. We're not married. These aren't your kids. These are your underwear. They're your real initials." And she fully doesn't believe him. So he's like, "Okay, cool. Hey, kids." tell like who is this woman and they're all like our mom and he's like no like stop lying like the jigs up like tell her the truth and like she's our mom and we love her and like go into all these stories and so she walks off and he's like what the hell and they're like we're not letting you screw this up for us old man what yep. take them to yep. the basement line them up and just go down the line <laughs> burn and salt the earth uh yeah he has definitely raised four sociopaths that's for sure because he is also one so then she goes to the best friend and she's like look i found these i need to know what the deal is like tell me the truth billy and he's like oh they're mine because i found an internet i found a uh, internet there's an internet i found a phone sex worker who has sex with me (laughs) in a car so they're actually mine and i'm he was covering for me because i didn't want you to tell my girlfriend and she's like oh that's so sweet of everybody thank you and kurt russell's like what the hell? Why will no one tell the truth now that I actually want to? And he's like, she's good for you. You belong together. No, super don't. Super don't, super aren't. The, there, the, there's also a moment where the kids are like, we, we would definitely rather live with her than live with you. And he's like really crushed by that news, which shouldn't be that shocking to him. He's an yeah. absentee You're father not a good and dad. no parents. So they go to open the golf course, and everybody's kind of partying, and he gives her a ring, which like, ugh, gross. Uh, meanwhile, her real husband has been trying to track her down, and they get a limo, and they're like waiting in the driveway. So when they come home, she like goes to walk in the house, and is like, oh, hi, Grant. I'll be right out. And then there's like a beat, and she comes out of the house and like suddenly has remembered everything. Mm-hmm. And... There's some confusion, but then she leaves, and the kids are like, "Here's here's the here's the, the crux, car. Goldie. One of them abandoned you and left you somewhere. The other one kidnapped, lied, and raped you. So, like, pick neither. That's the option. That's the right. choice. Yeah, that is definitely the correct choice. Yes. And the kids keep saying, like, you won't, you can't take our mom, and like, pound. She is not your mom. Like, she is not your mom. Also. This this sequence here makes this movie have a really unnatural flow because it feels like the logical endpoint is her getting rescued. And because there's this extra beat where she's like, I actually love him and want to go back. This movie really drags from this point forward because it it builds up to this like final conclusion. And then this like fourth act basically is her 
on the boat. She doesn't fit in there anymore. And she's like longing for this life that she had, you know, been experiencing recently. And it's just weird. Like it, it doesn't fit the movie tonally. And then on top of that, this last bit is super slapsticky, like really kind of wacky Mel Brooksy tone. And it's like, it feels like this movie tested poorly. I said it came out of left field, but that's a, I, that's a probably a good point because all of a sudden her husband, her actual husband is like lost his mind in a real silly, goofy kind of way. Yeah. And it feels like they tested this movie and it ended with her like getting away. And then people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's sad. We wanted a happy ending. And even though this ending is not happy, it, it is packaged as a happy ending. Yeah. It's presented in a way that says, you know. Right. They show her not fitting in by the fact that she wants to drink a beer and then she's like serving the food and they're like, her mom is a queen. (laughs) Like tip to tails. Her mother is a queen. She reminds me a little bit of Elaine Stritch, not like in voice or looks or anything like that, but the character she played. The role she would have played. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. So the kids are sad and Goldie is like, I I really don't want to be here anymore. So she goes and like turns the boat around. Meanwhile, the best friend is like a former Coast Guard guy. And so he's like pulling in some strings and they're doing that. But the, the slapstick tone is really illustrated here because she does a violent turn over this big boat, which is not how you do that. And all these people roll out of bed and none of them wake up. No, not at all. So they, you know, illegally got the Coast Guard to spend taxpayer money so that Kurt Russell can have sex with Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Uh, which I don't approve of that. So... We can table that discussion of yeah. appropriation of funds <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Goldie Hawn's in a stunning golden dress. That she ruins probably by leaping into the ocean wearing it. Mm-hmm. They meet each other like, in the and middle the butler, of the ocean. But also the butler who she's treated like shit for years is like gung-ho to help her go meet this guy too. It's like before she gets off the boat, he gives her a life jacket and stuff. Like you think he would be putting one in her back and so she couldn't swim anymore. Yeah, except she apologized to him once, so it's cool now. But also, he's like, oh, she she won't want a butler anymore, so I want her to go with with Kurt Russell. Like, the woman who's on the boat now (laughs) would not want a butler, so go for it. Yeah, Stockholm, go for it. But, like, that's his... That's his job. It's not like he's he has not been captured by Goldie Hawn, and he's not Dobby the house elf. Like he's not getting his freedom. He's gonna go work for someone else. He could have done that at any point in time. He wasn't an indentured servant. Like he could have just quit. But there's a reason he stayed for some reason. We don't know that reason. That wasn't ever not explored. Um, I wrote F this ending because it ends with Goldie Hawn going. Turns yeah, she- out the money was always was mine all along. So your kids and your family yes. are rich now, and also. Put a baby in me and make it a girl. F this And then Randy ending. Newman shows up to play some piano and we're done. It's just Randy Newman out of the movie. Yeah, and do you want to know the ending I wrote? Yeah, let's hear it. Goldie Hawn with Andrew the butler and her mother round up her actual husband, Kurt Russell, and his kids at their slovenly home with police. She lights a $100 bill on fire with a diamond lighter and throws it onto the hovel. And cackles as the kids get shipped off to boarding school and Kurt Russell and what's-his-face go off to jail. And then she and the butler and her mom get into a super-stretched limo, pop three bottles of champagne just for fun, and drive off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, like, wouldn't that be, That's the like, ending this, I want. This, this shit, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I need their house burned down, but, like, yeah, it's... it's They're all sociopaths! It's 
No, I, I every, I'm fine with everything else. Like, I just the house burning down feels a little excessive. Like, kids should be going oh. off to military school. Oh, you, it wasn't excessive to, to kidnap and sexually assault a woman for two months. That's I'm not, not excessive. Saying, I'm. <laughs> I just want him to go to jail. Is all I'm saying. Burning the house down seems like she becomes. It's too villainous an act for that character. No, no. I didn't say she like traps them inside. <laughs> it or, like, would be. <laughs> But and one of the dogs, like yeah, people would be thinking that she would murder the dog. I mean, it just it feels like too much to we'll, me. We'll get but that's the fine. You're allowed house. to have a different. But I guess it, it, it's a it's she lights a hundred dollar bill with a diamond lighter and just tosses it onto the house. Like that's the, what I want. I want to the here's show of money. With, here's my beef with that. The money part of it makes it seem like Goldie Hawn didn't learn anything, and Goldie Hawn learning a little lesson at the end of this is the only okay part of the movie. That, like, you should treat people with respect and dignity is, like, an okay lesson for this person to learn. The way that they teach it to her is fucking psychotic. Let me put that on Front Street. But the lesson she learns is okay. I, I agree that the lesson is okay, but I want her I want her vengeance. I want her revenge. That's fine. You're obviously not recommending this. No, not at all. And I think there are better options for both of these actors. That You know, go watch The Thing or go watch... Uh, Private Benjamin. Or Sky High. <laughs> or Sky High. Yeah, no, I, I always endorse Sky High. But yeah, it's it's bizarre. This movie is so gross. Like, the fundamental plot of this movie is so disgusting that it's hard to watch it without just sitting there feeling oogity the whole time. It really is. Well, uh, I'm sure the remake is going to be much, much better, obviously. It's certainly, certainly not going to feel as gross because when women commit the crimes, it's fine. Looking at you, friggin' what's her face from Hunger Games? Oh, Jennifer, you know Jennifer? For, wait, what? Remember when uh, Jennifer Lawrence, when all the backlash came out about passengers, and she was like, "If I had realized it was so problematic, I would have asked they switch the roles so that he, I defrost first, and moonlight and like oh. gaslight him." And I was like, "That doesn't make it yeah. better. Like it's still <laughs> a bad thing." Well, that's, that's what I was like, you know, some studio executive fundamentally believes that when you switch the genders of the people in this story, it's fine. Like a hundred percent. That's how that movie came to be. Oh yeah. They were like, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's cool. Cause a girl's doing it. Right. Right. Uh, so any, any final thoughts? Should we wrap up overboard? Should we, should we, should we weigh <laughs> anchor and, and set sail? <laughs> uh, or we could batten the hatches, hoist the main sail and take off to our next episode. Okay. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to the show. We really, really, truly appreciate uh, anybody listening. If you want to help us out, there's two things you can do. The first is the easiest thing in the world, and that's tell two friends if you like the show. Uh, the best way to hear about new stuff is when your friends tell you that it's good. So if you like us, please help us out. Share the episode. Send somebody a link. Whatever you think is best. You know your friends. We don't we don't care how you tell them, but let them know about the show. And then secondarily, if you could review the show on iTunes, it really makes a huge difference, and we read them on the air. Uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash dissectingthe80s. Dissectingthe80s.com is everything you'll ever want to hear about the show. You can email us, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com, or call us at 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T. Twitter, twitter.com slash dissect the 80s is the other way you can find us we will be completing the two-part andrew programs the show in the month of april absent moa my very clever acronym there andrew why don't you tell them what is next 
we're joining up with America's sweetheart Dolly Parton again for the best little whorehouse in Texas. They just announced a 9 to 5 remake, by the way. Rashida Jones is ready, and all three of the ladies are supposed to be involved. I want to hang on. My one hope, the one thing I need in that movie, and I know this is stupid, but I need Dabney Coleman as, like, their servant coffee boy. Like, really, like, getting it stuck to him forever. <laughs> I, I would – or mm. – I want I want all four of those people involved in some way, even if it's just Dabney Coleman's portrait on the wall, like the founder of our company. Well, he he's still alive. He's still alive. No, he's got to be able. To, they got to do a cameo. Yeah. Um, anyway, please take the time to review the show. I know I already said that, but I'm saying it twice because it's important. Um, but thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting us. We really appreciate it. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano until April. 23rd. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. <laughs> <laughs>